Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. About uh, maybe a year ago, I think we started to have conversations about uh, Higher Hopes Counseling, uh, which is a uh, counseling uh, firm or group that Erin has established. Uh, she was looking to uh, come into Royce City. They were located in Caddo, and uh, she had a lot of clients and uh, needed a place here in our community to to continue that ministry. So we uh, had a conversation with our trustees, and uh, since uh, Dan Bruce was no longer doing counseling at our church, we had an open room and space. So we invited uh, Aaron to come and Higher Hopes Counseling to be a part of uh, a, a great counseling ministry. And uh, you know, she hasn't shared with me details about her, but she's given me an overview of, of the work and the ministry that is done there. And uh, there is a lot of, of good work that is, that is happening through Higher Hopes Counseling, and I'm just so thankful that we have had a chance to, uh, to, to partner with her and that Erin and her family, Will and Taylor, just joined our church a couple of weeks ago on our uh, Join the Church Sunday, and we're looking forward to uh, more gifts and stuff that Erin uh, and her family will bring to us. Can I pray for you real quick before we get started? So let's... Lift up Aaron in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you for Aaron, and we thank you for her heart to reach those who are broken and those who need uh, help and restoration. And we uh, pray a blessing over Higher Hopes Counseling, but God, we pray over her today, and we pray that you just speak through her. Let her words be your words, and let us be filled by your words today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please welcome Aaron as she brings the word to us today? told April I'm not going to wear the Britney Spears mic. That makes me very nervous. I'll leave that to Pastor. That's his gig. Um, I just wanted to say, I don't know if you all saw the little boy that in the blue polo that was walking down here, and as he hit the altar, how he got on his knees and just started crawling, and I thought, man, is that not life? You know, we start running towards the altar, and then we stumble, and we just crawl <laughs> all we can do, and I just thought, it's pretty symbolic. So, I'd like to start by saying I am not a preacher, so if you expect a, a good old-fashioned sermon that's memorized like our pastor does every Sunday, which I'm always in awe of, I'm not your girl, I am a teacher. <laughs> My spiritual gift is not preaching, it is teaching, and um, I do great in a counseling setting one-on-one, could do that all day, every day, um, even when I'm exhausted. So I'm going to treat this a little like therapy today. I'm going to imagine that we're just in here one-on-one, and I'm going to teach you what the Lord has taught me and the things that I have seen in life that I think that we need to know a little bit more of. And if you find that as I'm going through this teaching, you've got this all sewn up, and you're like, no, I'm, this is probably not for me, then I'm going to ask you to switch gears and get into teaching mode with me and start to think, how can I take this to others? Because there are some seasoned believers in this room. There are some people that have been walking with the Lord for many, many years, and your faith astounds me, and I would ask that we join together as teachers uh, in our community. So um, has anyone here ever seen the movie The American President? Do you remember that one with Michael Douglas and Annette Bening? Okay. 
So um, Michael Douglas is the president, and Annette Bening is a lobbyist, and they meet, and uh, he's a widowed, and he doesn't have, he has adult children, but he doesn't um, have a wife anymore, and so he decides that he is going to pursue, he's going to date, or try to date Annette Bening. And after a first couple of outings that they're out together, uh, uh, you know, being very secretive and as only the president can be, he's very, very respectful, um, he decides to send her a gift in her office. And he sends her, does anybody remember? Is anybody a big fan of the movie? No, not flowers. He sends her a Virginia ham because she's from Virginia and she's up in DC and on their outings, he gets to talking to her to know about her past. And he sends her a Virginia ham and she lets out that great Annette Benning smile and laughter and the, the lobbyist who works with her says, it looks like the, the president has a girlfriend. So that's how it all comes together. The reason he sent her the ham is because he paid attention to her. He knew her, he knew her past, he knew her values, he knew her character, he knew what that Virginia ham represented to her and it was everything about Virginia. Uh, he proves this in the climax of the film when his nemesis, who is trying to take the presidency from him, and he's, the nemesis is using Annette Benning against him, saying that she's liberal and she burned a flag back in the day. And he stands in front of the, Uni uh, the United States on TV and he lists all of the characters of Annette Benning in the lobbyist role. He lists how, what her values are, how she loves her country, all that she's done and all of her sacrifice. And he does this because he has taken time to pursue her. He's pursued her, he knows her, he values her, and now he can represent her in public to the whole nation. So I want us to remove the Hollywood part of this, okay? And I'm gonna ask y'all to role play. We do that in therapy a lot, a lot of role playing. It's a lot of fun sometimes. And uh, I want you to put yourself in the pursuer seat, okay? You are the president and there's an Annette Benning out there. And I want you to think of your first love. Think of your spouse. And hopefully your first love and your spouse are the same person, but if not, come see me and we'll do some therapy about that. Um, but think about your first love or your spouse and all the things that you did, the way you pursued him or her. I remember that um, when I met my husband, Will, who will be here in the next service, um, he's an angler, for those of you who don't know that is, a fisherman. And early on in our dating, I went out in the Tennessee heat and sat out there with all those skeeters and those June bugs along some creek bed and watched him fish. And oh, we were just so in love. And, and I, every time, every weekend, we went out fishing. Every evening, he'd pick me up from my little job in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And we'd go out and get some barbecue. And we'd sit on the back of his truck and he'd fish. I hate fishing. I hate the outdoors. I don't like mosquitoes. I want to see all of my animals and all of my nature behind a glass wall at the zoo or on the television, on Nova. Um, but I pursued him and I got to know all about angling and I can tell you all about the different trout lines and different bass lines and what a skeeter boat is and a deep sea boat. And I can tell you everything now because I was busy pursuing my love, my first love. So I want you to think about those things. What did you do to pursue and to win the heart of your love? Think of how you dwelled within their world. Think of how they dwelled in your mind. And when you fell into a state of love, it's actually not falling. You were already there. You were already dwelling with them. It's easy to fall in love and have all the hormones and all the pheromones kicking in, but you're already in their space. It takes dedication. It takes passion, and it takes commitment, right? 
to fall in love with someone, to pursue someone, to, to win their heart. So we're going to change it up a little bit more. You are still the pursuer, but let's go through our pursuit of God. And let's do a comparison of what it looks like when you went after your first love and how you charmed him or her and all the effort that you put into it. And I want you to compare the two, how you pursue the Lord. Do you put that same effort into it or have you in the past? I know that I'm guilty of not doing that. It's very easy to pursue human love uh, over God's love. Sometimes I forget and it gets up on the back shelf. And then when I have an issue that I pursue again, but it's not a constant pursuit. What I'm asking you to do is to think of your Virginia Ham moments with the Lord. What are your Virginia Ham moments, your gifts that you've sent to the Lord in pursuit of him? Because every single day that I counsel, without fail, 100% of the time, no exaggeration, I have people come to me because I'm a biblical counselor. They want, they're card-carrying Christians. They want only biblical counsel. They do not want secular counsel. And I'm very firm in that. So that's why people come to me. And every single time, without fail, when was the last time you were in a Bible study? When was the last time you were in church? Where is your Bible? Do you have it with you now? What's your favorite verse? What kind of conversations are you having with the Lord? And every time there's a pale face and wide eyes and a lot of guilt and shame in my questions, and I don't ask them to guilt and shame people. I ask them because if we're not pursuing the Lord, no wonder we're sitting in a counselor's office. No wonder we're coming here with broken hearts. No wonder we feel like everything's falling apart. That's how it works when we're not pursuing our love. It's the same thing that um, I hear when marriages come to me. What are <laughs> the phrases? We just fell out of love. We just don't know each other anymore. We just fell apart. We just drifted apart. Well, of course, when you're not pursuing your love, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's cause and effect. I'm 44 years old, and I am not like Pastor, and I have to read my notes and make sure I remember everything. So uh, I just want to make sure I've gotten everything. I want us to go now to the slide, Ezekiel 310. Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. And the next line it says, now go. Son of man, all my words I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your words. So often it's hard for us to figure out how to dwell with the Lord. He seems so up there. And we see him in nature and we see him at work, but sometimes it, there's a separation. But yet he's given us his word to dwell with. And we have the scripture to dwell within us, and that's the reason that I'm here today, to remind us of that. But why should we do it? Why should we let the word of the Lord sink into our hearts? Is it for us? Is it for our edification? Is it for our betterment? We're going to do a look like we're in class right now. What would you say is the thing that we're supposed to do as Christians, the number one thing we're supposed to do? Love, okay, good one. Come on. This is, we're not Backstreet Baptists. Let's do this. Come on. Obey. Obey, okay. Praise. Believe. Serve. Y'all ever heard the one, go and uh, make uh, disciples out of the nations? Most of the time when you speak to people, that's the one that they think we're supposed to go. But I'm going to tell you that's uh, the love, the believe, praise. Praise, that was it. Our number one thing we're supposed to do as believers is to worship. Because when we live in a life of worship and we're living in a life of pursuing our love and dwelling with him, all of those other things come naturally. It's natural that I love. 
It's natural that I love my enemy. It's natural that I serve others. It's natural that I get on a mission trip and go overseas because I am so dwelling with the Lord and he is dwelling within me that I naturally do those things. We are supposed to follow the word of the Lord in our hearts and dwell with it so that we can know him and we can know his ways. But often we satellite around ourselves, even in our word. We make ourselves the center of the word. How does it make me feel? How do I respond to it? What am I doing? And we are satelliting around ourselves with the word of God in our hand. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. We are supposed to satellite around him. And he is the word. And we respond to him. We're the little rays of the sun around it. And as we constantly are turning into the sun, we are getting the warmth and the heat and the energy and all the things that we need so that we can naturally dwell in the space. And then it doesn't become a big checklist of activities. It's just a natural dwelling. So how do we let the word dwell among us? So, super easy for me to get up here and tell you what to do and then to walk off and say, now go and do it. But I want to actually do some practical application. That's, all, that's what therapy is, practical application. So when we get done, um, you're going to feel like you've been through a therapy uh, appointment. For those of you, you men that don't want to go to counseling, welcome to it because we're going to do it right now. So ha-ha, we tricked you. Um, we're told in John 1. Can we get to John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm going to jump straight to 110. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. Keep on moving to 11. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And 14... And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of, the, uh, as of the only son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he dwelt among us. I think sometimes we think of that just historically, that he came down from heaven, he dwelt among us, he gave us an awesome example of how to live life, and then he ascended into heaven, and now there's this gap. And we have the Holy Spirit, and sometimes when we're really jamming and things are going good, we're feeling really in cahoots with the Holy Spirit, like, okay, I got this. But then we stumble and we fall and we forget to be in study and we forget to dwell within him and then we feel the separation and then it just ebbs and flows and it's this mountaintop and valley, mountaintop and valley. But when he came to dwell among us, he never left us. When he ascended, he never ever left because he sent himself back and he sent us this word that was captured so beautifully so that we can dwell with him. We have to get over this me and it phenomenon. We have to get over this separation of, of, of it's out there and I've got to reach out and touch it. It is already in us. If you are a card-carrying, believing Christian and you've accepted the Lord into your heart, he's already dwelling. All you have to do is relax, dwell back with him, and let it flow. In Ephesians 1.13, in my version it says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the word of God. And this version is, we too heard the word of truth in Christ, which is the good news of your salvation, in Christ. Christ, not with, not with, not side by side, in, dwelling, knotted in, and that's the difference. And the answer is that we let him dwell by making it real, applicable, and tangible. We're humans, we're weak, we're frail, and he totally gets it, he knows this. He is going to give us something we can touch and feel and, and, and dwell within and make a part of our lives so that we can go make it a part of the lives for other people. We, oh, I would like us all to go to Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. And I'm going to get my Bible out. I know we're going to have it up here too, but I'm going to show you how, we're going to, how we do this, how we dwell 
and the word of the Lord, how we make it part of what we do. I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to reverse it so it becomes tangible, okay? And I'm going to read it from, I don't think that I, my bivocals aren't going that far, so I'm going to read it from my version. Y'all can try to read along. I keep asking that the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. So that's a very it and me separated scripture, right? Until I take it and I make it mine and I turn it into word that I can manifest and then I can pray. I keep asking you, God, my Lord Jesus Christ, my glorious Father, that you will give John, April, Will, Chris, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I keep asking you this, Lord, so that I and you can know him better. I pray that her, his eyes of their hearts will be enlightened so that they can know the hope that what you've called them to. They can know where they're supposed to go so they can feel those riches, so they can feel the riches of the saints that have gone before us, Father, that they can know your incomparable grace. See, when we take the word of God, sometimes we read it and we try to find ourselves in it because we're looking at it from a satellite perspective where we're in the middle. But when I take this and I make him the satellite and I use it as prayer over someone else's life, now the word just became something very, very flesh-driven. And I just took those words and I prayed them over the person sitting in my room, the person sitting in my counseling office, my family and my husband. And it takes time to learn this. It takes time to take the word of God and manifest it in that way that we are absolutely embedded into it so that it's no longer an it and me phenomenon. I want us to try something together. And uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. You all have heard this. If you've been to a wedding, especially in Texas, this one is already uh, preached a thousand times over. You can read it with me if you'd like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It isn't, doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant, it isn't rude, it doesn't seek its own advantage, it isn't irritable, it doesn't keep a record of complaints, it isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. Y'all heard it? Y'all know love is? Yeah, old school. Old school Bible right there. So now we're going to break it down, and we're going to make this word dwell within us and within our lives, applicably and tangibly. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, love does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, love keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, love always perseveres, love never fails. Y'all got it? Okay. So who is love? Who have we learned in all of our Bible studies? Who is love? Jesus, God, right. Okay, so let's take, this, let's take this to the streets. Let's go through it again. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, amen. God always trusts, God always hopes, God always perseveres, God never fails. Not awesome? Okay, but that's not, that's still him and me, it and me phenomenon, right? I'm still reading it, I'm not with it. So let's take this word, 
just like we did with our American president, and let's get in the story. Let's dwell with the word. Go ahead, next slide. There's lines there. We do this in therapy a lot. It's actually the, uh, the map that I work with all my clients to figure out where they're going with their relationship with Christ. And wherever there's a blank, who do you think's name should be there? Your own. But is Erin patient? <laughs> no, she's not. Is Erin kind? Is Erin envy? Does Erin boast? Is she proud? Aaron doesn't dishonor others. Hmm, I probably need to work on that. Aaron's not self-seeking. Aaron is not easily angered. Aaron keeps no record of wrongs. And you can now start putting your name in these slots. Because that's who we're called to be like, right? Called to be like God. We're called to use the word of God tangibly in our lives so that it is a road map of pursuit, going back to pursuing him. And when we let the word dwell within us like this, it then becomes something that is a plan. Because we don't have to go to the word just when we want to take from it. Because if we are just going to the word to take from it when we need it, when we're down and when we're out, then it's one-sided and in a hollow relationship. And it quickly becomes a list of do's and don'ts. In Isaiah 28, 12, 13, I think we have that. I love that the Lord always knows everything we need to hear from him. Your version says, he has said to them, this is the place of rest. Give rest to the weary. This is the place of rest to repose. But they refuse to listen. So the Lord's word will be for them a little of this and a little of that. So they will go and stagger backward and they will be broken and snared and captured. And my NIV version says, and the word of the Lord will become to them a do and 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 a don't, a rule on rule and rule on rule, a little here and a little there. Sometimes the word of God, sometimes our relationship with Christ feels like a checklist of do's and don'ts. And we're disconnected, and it's an it's a it and me phenomenon. And I'm separated from the word of God actually dwelling within me and me pursuing my love because it's, it's, a, it's not something that's manifesting in me all the time. It's just a regulation list. And a lot of people come to me with problems because that's how they've been living their faith, how they've been living it out. The Israelites were injured, alone, captured, and snared. I could literally put that on every human in this room at one point or another, injured, alone, captured, and snared. Doesn't that sound like us when we're in trouble? And yet, um, we're often just like the Israelites, and we forget to pursue the Lord, even though he pursues us. Could you think of some other words for the word dwell? You can shout it out. Lives, okay. Belong, resides, good. Yeah, I, I uh, reside, live, lodge, to stay, to stay, to dwell, to stay. Not to come to church on Sunday morning and get a word to try to get you through the next seven days, but to stay in the place of worship, to dwell within him. That's what keeps us from going where God is over there or far away or not listening or has turned his back or altogether gone from our lives. He and his word become only outdated when we don't pursue him, we say things like, he, it, the word isn't up to the times. It's just not modern enough. It doesn't know what modern man is going through. You know, we, we have an argument. Our, this church, this, not this church, but our Methodist church has been having that argument for quite some time because there is a belief that the word of God is not relevant. But it's so relevant when you dwell with it, when you make it tangibly yours. 
And I think of how many marriages and relationships have failed because spouses no longer pursue, and they say those same words. The marriage is outdated, the message, the love, it's just not fresh anymore. Because we have no idea how to dwell, connect, and harness that power in the Holy Spirit. When people come to me in counseling, I take them to a scripture that we hear in, at Christmas all the time. Isaiah 8, 6. He is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty Warrior, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? Sometimes us women will go down to Canton and we'll buy a, a beautiful painted sign and it'll have these, this Prince of Peace. You know, we'll put it up at Christmas. When people walk into the counseling office, when people walk into church with broken hearts, what they're trying to find is a wonderful counselor. So let's take this scripture again. Let's break it down and let's make it dwell within us. We want a wonderful counselor. What does a counselor do? The counselor, yes. Good job. Ding, ding, ding. What? Listens. Yeah. Hears. Yeah. Really hears you. Doesn't judge. Really takes your information and then helps you see it clearly, right? Manifests your information, dwells within it, and then gives it back to you. What about Mighty Warrior? Because he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty Warrior. This is one that gets stumps up a lot of people. It's just a word that we use, but let's think about what a warrior does. First of all, if you were called a Mighty Warrior, you didn't spend any time in weakness. You were a warrior for life. So think about this historically. You were a warrior for life. You think they were just going in, shotgunning it, just whatever, just, no, 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 strategic. A strategic plan, right? A warrior has a strategic plan. Are we coming in from the left or the right? Are we coming in from behind? What's our game plan? A mighty warrior has a plan of attack. So now we have wonderful counselor. And remember, I'm telling you what God is, but we're manifesting this and dwelling with the word. And we're making it our own. So I am now becoming like the Lord. I will be wonderful counselor. I will listen deeply. And now I'm going to have a strategic plan just like God does. Thank God his plan is here. And I get to just follow what it says. But I'm going to be a mighty warrior and I'm going to have a strategic plan. Am I going left or right? What am I doing? What's my action? Next one is everlasting father. Do you know how many women and men who come to see me because they have daddy issues? Now if you are blessed to have a good father like I am, then amen. Praise the Lord to have a good heavenly father. But there's a lot of people whose fathers have really let them down. And we spend a lot of our time in life trying to make up for that. What does it mean to be like the everlasting father? What's a good father? What? Always there, okay. Tall order for a human daddy, huh? Always there, yeah. Solid, honest, man of his word, consistent. Would you say those are things? Good example. Yeah, sets the, sets the tone of where things should be. What would someone else say? Strong. Once again, let's manifest this. So I need to be a good example. Strong, always there. Consistent. Man of my word. What? Loving. Yeah. A disciplinary, you know, authoritative. Versus, I mean, yeah, authoritative versus authoritarian. That they're consistent with their discipline. So that I can then get the big prize, which is to have that prince of peace dwell within me. People come to counseling and come to church because they want peace. Every single person who walks in here wants peace. And yet we look at it, what can the preacher give me on Sunday? What can I read in here that'll just be a quick fix? Instead of dwelling within it so that I dwell within peace, so that I know how to dwell within the scripture and the word that will constantly feed my need for peace. 
We've just stepped into dwelling with the word. These are just quick examples. I would love to do this. I, I love count, uh, clients that are able to come to me over a series of months because we really get to work on, uh, on changing the way that their brain thinks and the way that their life is centered around the Lord. But often, um, we don't get that opportunity. Not everybody gets to go to a biblical counselor and spend time. So what I wanted to do today was just to leave you with this apical, tangible bit. No longer coming to Sunday service just to get fed for the next seven days, but taking this time to go home and opening up the Bible and don't treat the Bible like a Ouija board. That's one thing I tell people. The Lord does not work like that. You don't open it up and say, oh, that was the thing I needed to see today. That's not dwelling within it. You have to pursue it. Open it up. Seek out the message. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen. Have a strategic plan of how you're going to dwell within it. When you're going to spend time in it. When you're going to manifest that. When you're going to have that be an example to the other people in your life. We want to spend time in the Word so that it dwells within us. So that we don't have to carry the weight anymore. That's the thing is we are so busy carrying the weight of trying to grasp love and just keep it. That we forget that when we pursue God's love, he dwells within us. And he carries us. It is the greatest thing in the world. I'm only 44 years old, and by the grace of God, I do not have it all sewn up. Trust me, i got a lot of issues. <laughs> I probably need to see a therapist. But, but one of the gifts that the Lord has placed upon my heart is letting him carry the load. And it is life-altering and life-changing. Now, I sometimes step away and forget and try to grasp it back. But I have come to a realization that when I dwell within the word of the Lord, and he dwells within me, because it's not just words, it is a dwelling of the Holy Spirit, a living, breathing entity, just like the song we just sang, that he is the breath of our lives, he breathes breath into our lungs. When we let that happen, we can literally let all of the stress and all of the seeking of peace and all of the pursuit of things in this earth fall away and let him carry the load. I pray that this has helped you. Like I said, if you have it all sewn up, if you've got this all planned out uh, and your life is going well, then that's awesome. And I think that you are a prime candidate <laughs> to be a counselor. But take this message and share it with your grandchildren and your children and your spouses, especially if they're wayward. Share it with people at school. When people say, I don't understand how you can believe in a God that lets bad things happen. Well, lots of times we don't have answers for things like that. But when you're dwelling with the word of the Lord, it comes to you naturally. And the Holy Spirit does work to answer those kind of things. And when we lose people that we love, like we just recently have, and we let the Lord dwell, not only will he minister to our hearts and carry us, and carry us far, but the word of the Lord will lift and carry us through the troublingest of times so that we can have that Prince of Peace mindset through all things. Thank you so much. And I'd like to pray if that's okay. Yeah. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here with this congregation. I pray that, that uh, my words, that I was not seen today, that I was invisible, and that you were heard, and only you were heard. I pray that as we go home and, and, and nibble on these, this idea and find out where those spaces in our heart and in our, our lives where we have not fully let you dwell and lead, that uh, you would bring those to the surface. Like you, like you do on the anvil, that you would bring those impurities out and that we would absolutely know how to let your riches and your graciousness and your wisdom and your discernment be that what rises to the top and that we would rest our spirits and we would rest this uh, constant struggling to, to find you or to find ourselves in life or to, to get through things and instead let you lead 
because we are in pursuit of you and you alone. I thank you that you pursue us. I thank you that you love us even in our frailty. And I thank you for ministering to us the way that you do. And I thank you for this congregation and this amazing church body. In your holy name, amen.